an offering to Poseidon. The Greeks are praying for a safe return home. I hope the sea god spits in their offering. Let's them all drown at the bottom of the sea. This is a gift. We should take it to the temple of Poseidon. I think we should burn it. Burn it, my prince. It's a gift to the gods. Father. <laughs> like, where, okay, where do I start? They're like, okay, Beach. What's up with this weird clip? Um, I don't know. I should. I'm really weird. Like, I, I no, I'm not weird. I'm, no, no. Y'all weird. Because I like movies. You know what I'm saying? I watch movies. Uh, I like a lot of movies. So it's this one concept that I learned from a movie called, um, it was called Grease or what? What was this movie called? That's crazy. Rome? Wow. Alexandria? No. Man, that sucks. What movie? But I digress because I'm not promoting that movie to y'all anyway. Anyway, the movie introduces the concept about a Trojan horse, what a Trojan horse is. So basically, long story short, there's this crazy, crazy battle, right, um, against the Trojans and Greece. Like they're, you know, beefed out, you know, um, power struggle, love betrayal treachery you know all the classic war stuff that us humans love to partake in and use as excuses to plunder destroy exploit and kill others but i digress um what was interesting about the concept of the trojan horse is that they actually used the beliefs of other of the of their opponent for an end or an opportunity to infiltrate their camp that would later on destroy them that they they wanted to use the fact that they knew certain things about them that would allow them to be welcomed in a place that they had been fighting and could not ever penetrate before that do that you know, I get what i'm saying am i being too like deep or i feel like i'm in my movie critique bag so anyway if in layman's terms, they use something that they knew they cared about to trick them to allowing them to allow to let their defenses down so that they could destroy them. You get what I'm saying? And that's what I want to talk about. That's it today, man. I, I want to talk about the reality of a Trojan of, of what what a Trojan horse is, um, a little bit of the science behind infiltration. And what does that mean for us today? Right now, you're listening to one of the realest. Mr. Respect Your Audience Itself. You are now tuned in to Live with Meech Real. So let me um, give y'all the definition. Infiltration is the action of entering or gaining access to an organization or place surreptitiously, especially in order to acquire secret information or cause damage. Here, I'm going to read it again because I learned a new word and I'm excited. So get ready. The action of entering or gaining access to an organization or place surreptitiously, especially in order to acquire secret information or cause damage. Now, here, let me tell you about my favorite new word that I had to struggle to figure out how to pronounce. Now, it's called surreptitiously. S-U-R-R-E-P-T-I-T-I-O-U-S-L-Y surreptitiously it means in a way that attempts to avoid notice or attention secretively right 
So the whole form, which most of y'all, we I mean, this this wasn't like brain surgery. I didn't break nothing down really for real, for real. But surreptitiously, basically, me is just a definite. It's just another way to describe the nature of how someone infiltrates. So a person is trying to infiltrate secretly. They're not going to break in and bust a window open because then you'll know there's proof that there's you know forced entry or something like that. They're going to try to find a way to get in without anyone knowing. So the word of the day is surreptitiously. You heard it here first. What's interesting is that how do they put secret within a definition that already means secret? Like, I mean, we like I, I, I think that because uh, language is so important and um, there's so much study and science behind how words are defined, how words are used, that I don't really take nothing lightly. I take everything as to be intentional. So to have a definition within a definition, me, you know, is is I think it warrants pause. So infiltration is an action and is an action to gain access. But then it also says surreptitiously. So it's it's gaining access, right? Which you can do that. You don't have to infiltrate to gain access. But this has to be done in a certain way to make it different than any other way someone can gain access. Does that make sense? So so not just gaining inset, you know, access like this is not something that is going to be overt and right in your face and obvious on the surface. It's going to be done secretly. It's going to be doing it's going to be done surreptitiously. Boom. I got it. I'm excited. So y'all gonna hear that word all day. I'm going to work telling people that word. I'm about to bust my kids upside the head with that word. And if they don't know how to spell it, I'm talking about no PlayStation all weekend. So then I don't feel bad if I'm playing it too long and they don't get to play because I'm like, what's the definition of surreptitiously? What it surreptitious spell it. Ah, that's why you can't play the game because you're not learning. Ha. <sighs> oh man. Father of the year. It's hard to be this vigilant. But before we get into all the nitty gritty, let's talk about what's going on in the world. With my favorite segment, let's talk about it. How are you doing? My name is Beach Real, and this is some of the things that's happening in the news. Today's first story is going, we're going to start into something light. You know, I came back a little deep. I mean, you know, I had to talk about Kanye. We had to talk about gender. It's, it's just, it was tough. And I know y'all like, all right, Meech. We know stuff going on is serious, but I mean, come on. So it's going to be serious, but we can go a little light. We gonna, Just a little bit, just for me, just for y'all, for us, because I can't be deep all that. I can't be deep that long. I, I try to be deep that long, but I just got to come up for air. Just <sighs> Now, let's get back into it. So parents, <laughs> if you are if you are a kid or if you're young, you still live with your parents and you like video games, this part of the show is going to suck for you. But this is one of the great things as being a parent that we get to do is lord things over your head to do what's best for you that we did not have lord it over us. <sighs> but it probably should have. Anyway, Fortnite allegedly has the same effect as cocaine. Like cocaine cocaine you smoke crack don't you a family is suing fortnite and they're trying to get the bread so the lawsuit alleges that the developer epic games intentionally made the game addictive epic games when they created fortnite for years and years hired psychologists they really dug into the human brain and they really made the effort to make it as addictive as addictive 
as possible, an attorney told the CBC. In our case, the two parents that came forward and told, if we knew it was so addictive, it would ruin our child's life. We would never have let them start playing for a night or we would have monitored it. We would have monitored it a lot more closely. What's dope is a friend of mine actually uh, shared this to me, um, shared this with me because this is something that I talk about all the time. Um, I talk about dopamine. Um, so I talked about it with social media and this was episodes, episodes ago. Now, first things first, um, it is not a company's job to be responsible for your children or your family, just like it's not McDonald's job to make sure you're eating healthy. It's just a reality um, the world we live in. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's true. I do. I legit think the uh, case has merit, but I don't think that they'll go get anywhere because this is the foundation of how business is done nowadays. This generation thrives off of addictive nature or addictive personality syndrome where Everything is a commodity that you have to have. You have to have the newest uh, phone. You have to have the newest uh, fashion, the newest makeup, the newest. You got to hear the newest song. You got to hear the newest wave. You got to be a part of this stuff. You got to, got to, you got to. Everything is literally like crack. You smoke crack, don't you? So I'm truly, so I'm truly rooting for the parents. But I do think they're fighting a higher uh, I think they're fighting a bigger battle that they just can't win because it's so close to the core of where this generation is going, where this world is going. But if they do win, it would be major. But it's not just video games. Look at social media. I mean, that's nothing but a human test. Um, I think they're if we really get into the nature of things. Most of the stuff that's being given to us and shoved in our faces is for control it's literally for mind control which is another form of infiltration surreptitious nature or surreptitiously or surreptitiously no okay um that is not a word the last one isn't but surreptitious is it is our word of the year because that word i'm like what is mm -mm, i'm skipping this i'm like nope you need to learn one thing every day and y'all going to learn something today. But I digress. Listen, people, they want to make you addicted. <laughs> Period. If you look at everything in the world, it is designed to make you need it, crave it. Like look at food. Look at sugar. Sugar. Anybody who knows me knows I used to love Kool-Aid. I sort of still love it, but I know our relationship is very damaging and it goes one way. Um, but man, white sugar, when you when you look at the the effects, I mean, how how deadly it is, how terrible it is for your body. But they're literally putting things in your food that makes you need it, want it, crave it. I thought about how I used to drink pop all the time and how you can drink pop. And you still thirsty and you can drink pop and drink more pop and drink more pop and, you know, or you get a Pringle and you pop it one time and then you, you need another Pringle. And then you need another Pringle and then your friends bring some Pringles, but you don't have a Pringle. So then you want some Pringles, right? You smoke crack, don't you? Or even when they was giving out these chicks, chicken sandwiches and people was piling up and parked all outside and fighting and painting their bodies up, uh, for these chicken sandwiches and doing videos, fighting and arguing. But like this, everything is created to make you like a crackhead <laughs> you know when i say a crackhead you crackhead you smoke crack 
I'm talking about the fact that you can't live without this, that you're spending money, that you're stealing money, that you're fighting people, that you can't sleep without it. You got to wake up doing it like something that becomes the main motivating factor of your life. Or if we go back to the intro, it becomes a God that you have to serve and that you have to continually, continually pour into. Right. Like this is for real. This I mean, I'm joking about the whole crackhead thing, but there. There are tendencies when it comes to dependence and self and reliance and and an addiction that you have to start noticing trace when it's like, dang, how many days can I go without doing this and be okay? Do I dream about it? Like so people and this is for grown people. So, of course, it's, it's harder on the kids because they're being introduced to the to the same level or the same potency that you would give an adult to make them an addict that you're giving to a four-year-old and they're growing up in it versus being introduced to it after a certain level of maturity so yes parents shame on you for letting them do anything without supervision i mean when you go to work you grown you got supervisors so why does your kids who ain't grown don't got no supervision watch what they doing supervise that junk and moderate it my kids uh, and it's not because i mean there are strong points in everybody's how they look at stuff but i don't like my kids playing fortnite or i don't like my kids playing any game where people where you can kill someone and you just bring them back because that's not a reality but you can grow up thinking or being desensitized by the actions of murder if they take away the blood and the horror but you're still shooting to take something from somebody and to gain something for yourself and getting points which makes it fun and rewarding just like there was Fortnite now that does you know where you get to run around and steal this and build this and it's all fun and cool and they got the cool little characters there was a game when I was growing up where you was literally carjacking people murdering them blowing up stuff it was just terrible it's not no different it's just as bad and that's why I said we are lording over our kids over stuff that we weren't lorded over but just because it was done wrong the first time don't mean you continue on that path so uh I'm all for people to sue um I've been praying to the Lord for me to be able to sue one day, um, sometimes when I go, when I'm walking somewhere, I hold my foot over the line, hoping to get it ran over. Or um, sometimes people open doors and I just, I walk close to it and slam my hand on it so it's not like it's my head and I'll fall and look at them like, you know, uh, we can settle this out of court. But um, that anointing hasn't, God hasn't hit me with that yet, with the ability to sue. So um, I still got to go to work. But. It kills your brain cells, son. It kills your brain cells. So hopefully they get their bread. Um, but if they don't get their bread, we still need to watch our kids. We still need to watch ourselves with what we're pouring into. The only thing that you should be addicted to is growing in Christ and understanding. All this other stuff is about the self-destruction and the profit and gain of corporations and organizations. Listen, these algorithms are the dope dealers and we are getting served we are the custos but let's go to another story football season is back people oh man we almost moving into close to mid-season but let's talk a little bit of football because anything's better when you talk about sports if you don't mention you know who but i digress so the Cleveland Browns, shout out to my Cleveland friends that thought Cleveland was going to be something just because they acquired OBJ. Yeah. Um, got destroyed. Um, they got beat pretty bad um, against the San Francisco 49ers, which crazily enough, which hasn't happened since the 90s. The 49ers are undefeated. 
Like, they haven't lost yet. But we'll see. They got a game with against the Rams this week. We'll see how it goes. For those who aren't, um, what is that? Striking? Yeah. For those that are not, you know, going against the NFL and they're not and they're not watching the games. We're, I'm talking to the people who are watching the games. Uh, but shout out to y'all for real. Keep you know for real. Keep up alive. I'm with any uh any type of protest as long as it's peaceful, and it's about helping the people. So um I'm gonna watch football, but hey, tomato tomato. I'm I'm with you anyway. Richard Sherman rips Baker Mayfield for not shaking hands before the game. Now, I saw this post from the homie Glover Quinn, which is a former Lion. He's now taking his talents to the realm of retirement, enjoying enjoying those those days, you know, being able to kick back, relax, play Madden, and actually win with the Lions if you put enough creative players on there. But I digress. Listen, real talk. Uh, as for myself, for those who don't know, um, I play football. For a decent fraction of my life, I love football. It's a great sport, pretty violent. Um, so I do like some of the things that they're doing to help kind of prevent, you know, head-on collisions, uh, concussions, and even how they respond to when those things happen. So for those who, you know, don't like football, because just for that nature, if you got kids and you don't want to play because it's dangerous, I get it. I understand. I would be being unrealistic if I said that it's it, it's 100% safe. You know, like people say, oh, don't get on a plane because it's safer, you know, to fly in a plane than to drive a car. And I'm like, no, because my car never leaves the ground. Uh, and I got to trust that the engineers of my plane had higher than these. What if I got, what if I got that? What if I get in the plane with the engineers was, was a, you know what I'm saying? They just say, Hey man, let's just the Rudy of engineers. And he just kind of put this thing together and I'm flying and he hoping that it go. He hope it stay in the air too. I'm sorry. I'm going to get on the plane again. Um, I, I, anyway, football is dangerous, but anyway, I remember <laughs> um, playing against rivals and shaking hands. The, I mean, definitely not. Nah, listen, it is nothing doper than to shake hands with your opponent after you didn't blew them out, after you didn't smack them all up and down the court or up and down the field. Or I don't know, do y'all do that in golf or after you destroy them on the green or something? Yeah, hey, take that, Nicholson. Hey, take that, Palmer. Anyway, take that, Woods. Anyway, um. It was dope <laughs> to do that when you're winning, but it sucks to shake somebody's hand after they just whooped on y'all. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I get I get the frustration because Glover Quinn actually said, you know, he remembers the frustration of playing with younger guys and how immature they could be. You know what I'm saying? And I just wanted to share just a little bit of different perspective. Um, I think sportsmanship is huge. Um, I think that when the whistle stops, the play stops. I don't believe in dirty playing. I don't believe in fighting. I don't believe in spinning and kicking and punching and putting tacks in your gloves, which happens. Um, I don't. I believe in playing the game right. I believe the only time that anything in the world is fair is when you're on the field. I do. I believe that when you're on the field or on the court, that's you against the other player, your coach versus that coach, that scheme, you watching film, them watching film, that's the most fair you'll ever see in the world. Everything else um, it's a little stacked, I say. But anyway, um, what was dope about football for me, and what's dope about sports is, in general, is that it does teach you about 
it teaches you about teamwork and it gives you an opportunity to bond with people for a common goal, which growing up may not be something everybody has to learn, whether they have siblings or not. And depending on the dynamic of their siblings, but in the world, even though everybody, you know, people are standing on um, self-made, the most successful people, their teams are stacked. The most successful people have great foundations. They're very disciplined. They're very sound. They're very, they're in unison. They're very consistent. They're very intentional. These are things that you can learn from being a part of a winning, a blue chip, a very successful organization, a sports organization, football team, basketball team. When you're used to the success, there are ingredients that you'll see. You'll see the consistency here. You'll see the progressiveness over there. You'll see the unity here. You'll see the discipline there, like all that stuff comes together to create these um, amazing franchises, these amazing ethics, these amazing players, and these amazing careers. Sportsmanship is what you take home. It's a part of your character. So before a game, you should shake the hand of the opponent because no matter if that team is the Patriots, a team that's undefeated, or if it's Golden State, or if it's uh, whatever team LeBron decides to play for and whatever superstars he's brought with him. But anyway, whoever you're standing in front of, you should never look at them as, oh, well, we're just playing these guys, so it's going to be easy. I think you should respect every person that comes on the court and has the privilege to play against you and play with you. And with saying that, they deserve a handshake. So, Baker, Mr. Mayfield, listen. First of all, you should have shook their hands because the way you was throwing passes to the other team, I thought you was y'all was in cahoots, but I digress. Look, for real, for real. If you're playing sports, I mean, shoot, and you carry this over in the business. Listen, showing people respect despite the dynamic shows a lot of maturity and character. You can go into a negotiation with an opposing party. Like, you know, I'm a part of the UAW, and right now uh, one of our UAW brothers and sisters are in negotiations with – you know, with um, their company. If they want to go in there and fight, it makes it hard for everybody and everybody loses money. But the ones that are successful can walk into a room with someone that they're opposing, that they have to negotiate with, and they're able to look in them and look them in the eyes, shake hands, and handle things in a in a mature, respectful way so that at the end of the day, win, lose, or draw, now it's different for negotiations because some people want to win, but win, lose, or draw, or compromise, however it ends, People remember that that entrance like, man, you know, man, we whooped them boys. But this dude got some character. Two, three years later, you out of a contract. They might be saying, hey, man, I like playing against this guy. This guy had a lot of character. And I mean, y'all might think that it's only about talent, but you'll be surprised how far character and um, integrity will get you. So to Mr. Mayfield, listen. Do something positive with those hands instead of throwing interceptions. Shake these players' hands. You might, you might gain, you might gain some favor. Maybe they tip one of them interceptions instead of catching it. I'm just saying it was tough out there, but I digress. My last stories. Hey, I got some news. Listen, me and the one and only J Will Music, Mr. Bellweather on Instagram, is um. He's decided to allow me to make his show better. He prayed about it, and I guess, and he called me like, Meech, man, I'm struggling. I need you. I need the big guns. And I said, you know, even though I'm losing weight, man, and I'm getting buff and skinny out here, I'm still considered a big gun in the spirit realm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you feel me? Like, anyway. No, for real, for real, man. Listen, on the this is a really dope podcast, um, it's definitely one of my favorite podcasts, and it may be my top two now because I'm actually in it. 
The name of the podcast is Inspire God's People. You can search for that anywhere. Um, I'll have a link in my uh, description if you guys read descriptions. Um, I would like to think that my audience reads. I do. I think you guys are so intellectual. I think that my audience wakes up in the morning after they read the Bible and then after they walk about five or six miles or run two or three miles um, and then save a cat out of a tree and then, you know, help an old lady across the street. Pray for somebody and lay hands. After y'all do all that in your day, I believe that you read. You continue to read a couple chapters and then you turn on my podcast. I do. I believe that that's your that's your life every day. And if it's not your life, I, I pray that because you've heard this, because first is hearing and then doing. But that's of the word, not of what I said. But y- y'all get what I'm saying. Y'all get what I'm saying. Okay. Anyway, um, you read the bl- the bio. I had a link for Inspire God's People. He has a new segment, and it's called TNN's The Nothing News because there's nothing new up under the sun. And he actually is featuring moi. Like, he called your boy. And I'm going to tell y'all, man, we talk about some dope stuff. And what's dope about Jermaine's show, even though we are both believers, one, he's a little older. Well, he's a lot older than me. But he just is speaking from a whole different perspective. He's pretty funny not as funny as me but that's what helps when i get in there i get to raise the funny so so he gets to be blessed and he gets to um just be submerged in my in my hilarity and it makes him more funny so you'll 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 be able to sense that very soon but no for real check out inspire god's people he's featuring the one and only meets real as well as he got a whole bunch of other dope stuff going on in the show and it's it's i'm telling you it's one of the dopest podcasts this side of the heaven or on that side of, of eight mile. But y'all will love it. So check Meach Real out on Inspire God's People. So like always, man, just support Christian content and support dope Christian creators like myself, my man Jay Will and others. But this segment, I wanted to shout out my brother and shout out myself, which is make just show you how humble I am. That I shouted him out first and then I told you I was featured on there, but I digress. And that's all I had to say about that. I wanted to talk about infiltration because there's an art to it. There's a skill like, you know what? I want to talk about the skill of infiltration because of how cunning the enemy was is has been continues to be right first and foremost the world has shown us they've told us a vision right they've they've showed us the images of the devil scary brooding evil pretty obvious right like you you see them you see him coming three billion miles away i mean even my wife can see him coming and she can't she with her, with her glasses off and my wife take off her glasses and she need a dog she need a, something um she need braille okay let me say i'm sorry I'm, I'm, I'm going left anyway for real seriously seriously we've been given and sold a picture of what evil looks like but it's not biblical Throughout the Bible, when it mentions Satan, I'm talking about from when God, Jesus had, you know, God gave, um, God waited for a report and the angels came and the devil was with him to how Eve was tempted, how Jesus was tempted. Um, there's not scripture that I found where you saw the devil wilding out where you just knew he was coming. 
You get what I'm saying? Like, even it being a serpent when we're, when we're reading it, you're like, hey, bro, if a snake come talking to me, I know, hey, bro, you you not you not trying to sell me car insurance. You won't tip. You a snake. You feel me? But <laughs> think about it. Jesus was, he was fasting. He was in prayer. He was, like, kind of going through it. He's like, Lord, you know, what can I do? You know what I'm saying? Is, is there another way, right? And the devil comes to, he waits till he's at his weakest point uh, in the midst of him, in the midst of his fast, and tempts him and he don't say hey i'm about to kill you jesus caught you slipping cuz you know what i'm saying like he didn't he could have tried to run up and give jesus the hands no he approached jesus with a preposition that on the surface many would seem and feel as if it was love hey man look bro the bible says this first eight one he used scripture right against the lord he said okay look if you just bow to me, bro, like, listen, you going through all this with God. Look, if you bow to me, bro, you can be king of all of this. All this is yours. All you got, just bow to me and you can bow to me right here. Don't nobody even got to see it. Like one-on-one, bro. Like ain't nobody going to even know that you bowed to me, but me, me and you. Right. That was the first attack. That's the first way to try to infiltrate his day. Say, OK, see a problem. Hey, look, let's check. Let's 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 give you a check of your integrity. Nobody will know that you'll submit to me. Submit to me. I give you all this. He said, OK, OK. Well, now we're going to talk about the abuse of power or pride. So then he's like, OK, how about this? Then if you really got jump off this cliff. The Bible says angels will grab you and save you, bro. You you Jesus, man. Like you ain't gotta go through all this. You not like everybody else. You special. You talented, right? Still ain't cussed him out. Still ain't threatened him. Still ain't put a gun on him. Still ain't put a knife on him. You like he telling him, hey, bro, you you that guy. You can do this. No matter what anybody else is, you can do this because of who you are, right? You special, bruh. Jesus, like nah. I rebuke you. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he, even though the devil used scripture, right? Jesus know what the word truly means. Let me go back to the movie when I talk about infiltration. They were battling and they were fighting and they were losing. So he said, let's, let's create something because they're very religious. Let's create an idol and we'll leave it for them. And because they're so religious, they'll take it and they'll bring it beyond their walls they'll let down all their defenses and let it in when they brought that bit in this movie when they brought they they made this big old idol for them when they brought that idol inside the walls of their homes in their their temple at night when everyone's sleeping they all came out outside of this huge idol they had created and they killed everybody in their sleep destroyed the whole city the people that got away had to flee, had to leave everything. People they loved, things that they had worked hard for, they had lost everything in fleeing. But most people just died. And I'm saying all this because I'm watching a wave of people trying to exploit, not everyone. I'm not saying any names, but I'm witnessing the exploitation and... um. I mean, the exploitation of customs that were once called religious that are now being used by those that deny God to gain favor 
for whatever promotion campaign they need or whatever public relation cleanup they need. They've began to use these things, the customs and the traditions and the beliefs and the love of people. Of, of a certain group of people to get with inside their walls, right? So the Bible talks about discernment and tells us to be careful, tells us to discern, tells us to be aware that there are antichrists that have already infiltrated um, the church and they're here to cause confusion. Um, this is why scriptures that come off that's like, you know, study to show thyself approve, um, sometimes even study and be quiet <laughs> are for protection. You get what I'm saying? Um, it also talks about God's not a respecter of person so that we can understand that God not going to love somebody else just because they got 10 million followers or because they're poor. Like there's no extreme that God's going to value over the other because he only sent his son so that all could be saved, not so that he could save this celebrity or so he could save this no name person that don't even like or subscribe to the you know celebrities. Like there's no extreme that. Um, trumps the heart of God when it just comes from comes for souls but there is a people there is an agenda to get within the four walls so that it can be destroyed from within the walls of the church the walls of the body the the surround the surrounding of the church that has been under attack from from its inception still can only be destroyed from within so the use of a Trojan horse is the only tool that the enemy has. And the only way they can use that tool is for them to be welcomed. For them to be welcomed inside of, of the walls. So so it's challenging because it's like I'm not this is not to talk about. Hey, hey man, I want to come to church. Nah, bro, you a Trojan horse. My man Meech told me I heard it on live with Meech real. You a Trojan horse. You ain't coming into my church, bro. That's not what I'm saying. No, that's that's not it. What I'm saying is we have to be careful for those that don't just desire to come in, but desire to immediately assume leadership, to assume platform, to insert themselves in something that they should be trying to gain, observe. You get what I'm saying? Like there are people that just want to come and find out who God is. They like, hey, man, what's what's going on? Hey, I'm, I'm ready. And there's people that's coming in that say, oh, I want to change some things in here. I think we need to add some things in here. It's, uh, it's always interesting. It's a dynamic of someone who is open and someone who is trying to gain, gain, take charge or pervert things. So the person who desires to infiltrate is not going to walk up and say, hey, I need to come in here and destroy everything. Hey, I hate you and I want to kill every Like, no, 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 no. They're... You know, the, the art of infiltration is one, learning the customs and the cultures and the desires and the heart of the people. Then it is to learn how to be to immerse yourself in the groups un, un, unnoticed to begin to take on the traits and the characteristics where you can almost mimic and be received as one of them. That you'll be allowed and assumed to be a part 
and then you'll gain access and then you'll be welcomed in. And then you, your job is to move within the ranks, to move up higher and higher, to gain influence and, and every level of influence to pervert on that level so that that structure is weakened and destroyed. And then to go to the next level and weaken that structure and then go to the next level, so on and so forth. So that when the attack is what then when the attack comes, the foundation has been corrupted from the bottom to the top. Now it falls. And I've been having it, man, I, I found an article that I'd never published, but I wrote almost three years ago, titled The Trojan Horse. And coming back to it and seeing what's going on, I only get this. I only get this sense that we have to have the conversation that everyone who says Jesus and everyone who stands in the church and talk and says and says certain things. Isn't a clear sign or fruit of conversion and should not be accepted on the surface as something real. If how do I say that? Like not accepted something real. Like we have to be careful of <laughs> that people aren't just telling us what we want to hear. We have to be careful that we don't care more about how something someone does makes us feel versus the process and if someone is actually receiving what they're telling us. Because I mean, I remember being somewhere and the salesman was, you know, he was talking to me. He had a shirt that said Jesus all day. So I'm loud and all overt about my God. So they walked up on me and they say, okay, cool. He loved Jesus. Hey, man, you know, in the word, it says that you should do this and forth. And then he tried to sell me something. He literally quoted scripture like the devil did to try to manipulate me and took it out of context. So he didn't walk up to me and say, hey, man, that, that shirt is stupid. I hate you. I want to manipulate you and make you give me money. And then he he go with his pitch. So I'm telling y'all, be careful. Be careful of these things. Seriously, we got to be careful of these surreptitious people that are moving surreptitiously. I'm so, y'all, I just did a whole little robot kind of happy dance because that's my new, new favorite word. Surreptitious, I'm about to go to work and use it for no reason. I don't care, but it's going to work. But seriously, for real, for real, come back down. Listen, the, the job of the infiltrator is to come in secretly and not be seen and not be made aware that the the time by the time you find out that someone has infiltrated your camp your foundations are so corrupt that you're already falling you're already being destroyed and i think if we apply that in places whether bad relationships toxic uh alliances um false teachers we can see that to be true and we can see proof in that we can see the difference between a person that is trying to share the good news of who jesus was and people who are using the good news of and the jargon of who Jesus was to propel themselves, because that's a real thing. But I want to share something with y'all's scripture. And it's the first time I ever taught it's about Jacob and Esau. And what was interesting about why the the Trojan horse has to be let in and the Trojan horse can't force its way in. And I want to share this scripture with y'all in this story. Um in my favorite segment, Meet My Pre. The first lesson I ever taught in my life was about was about Jacob and Esau. Um, I was studying about him, and I'm like, Jacob is Jacob kind of got a Jacob was kind of grimy, like. Jacob was like 
like he stayed on tip with his brother. And then um reading about Esau, I'm like, bruh, Esau, he had it kind of tough. Anyway, um I was reading it's Genesis twenty five, um it's twenty seven. It talks about Esau selling his birthright. And this kind of scripture kinda pretend it's kinda relevant to the nature of what an infiltrator has to do and why a Trojan horse is even a weapon and why a Trojan horse is such a powerful weapon because when someone takes something, it creates the, the, the separation. There's an enemy created. You create this, this line where I know you, I know you're a bad guy, right? But when I infiltrate, I come to you as a friend, you know, a sheep and uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Like I introduce myself as an ally. I just got foul intentions. So anyway, um, Esau had a dope birthright. He was promised everything, like all of it, all that stuff we be wanting and we be talking about. And Lord bless me, even though it probably would destroy me anyway. Lord, give it to me. All that, all that you're thinking about right now, that's what. But um, this uh, this story talks about how Esau didn't really value his birthright because the thing about a birthright is it's not automatic. You know what I'm saying? Like when they talks about our father has something for us or there's an inheritance, it doesn't just mean as soon as you are born, you get it. It doesn't mean you're just living in it already or that you can actually feel it and touch. Sometimes a birthright takes time. There's a level you have to reach. And it also sometimes it may not be something tangible or something that you necessarily value immediately. And if you don't value it immediately, if you don't see how you can apply it to your life today, it might be like, eh, this is this is crap. So that's kind of what Esau was dealing with. So look, um, Genesis 25, 27, it says Esau, the title is Esau sells his birthright. Okay, um, 27 says, as the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoor, he was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Now, Isaac was, was, the, was their father, was Esau and Jacob's father. So Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. But Rebecca, the mother or Isaac's wife, she loved Jacob. Basically like me and my wife. People say they don't have favorites. They be lying. My favorite is this kid and her favorite is that kid. But, you know, I'm, I'm joking. I love all my kids, but it's different things that makes me love them differently. But I love them all the same. Anyway, it's not about me. It's about Isaac and Rebecca uh, wilding. Anyway. Rebecca Wilder, not Isaac Wilder, but anyway. So uh, back to 28. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought him, but Rebecca loved Jacob. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. He was tired, like, bruh. 30 says, Esau said to Jacob, man, I'm starving. Give me some of that red stew. Give me, please, let me have some of this red. So Jacob, being on tip, was like, I got you. He actually said, all right, Jacob replied, but trade me all your rights as the firstborn son. Esau like, bro, I, look, I'm dying of starvation. What good is my birthright now? I'm, I'm starving. I'm hungry. I can't do nothing with my birthright. Right. So in 33, Jacob said, first, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights to uh, as the firstborn to his brother Jacob He said you could have it all Then Jacob gave Esau some bread And some lentil stew Esau ate the meal then got up and left 
He showed contempt for his rights as a firstborn. Check this out. <laughs> Esau came from working, doing what he did best. One of the things that, one of the reasons why his father favored him was because of what he did. So he came home from a hard day's work. The flesh is weak. He was tired. The same way when Jesus was fasting, his flesh was weak. The enemy presents itself. Once again, as a friend, he come hungry, hungry. I wouldn't say I kind of feel like Jacob was over there whipping. You know what I'm saying? Do the, the drug dealer wrist, the, the whole drug dealer wrist right now. Why y'all whipping? Just whip with the drug dealer wrist real quick. You smoke crack, don't you? Right. So you got all that. Right. So I feel like Jacob's in there. He doing that. He, he flicking the wrist. He making this stew. He, he looking, watching his brother. He like, oh, he out there grinding. He going to come in here hungry. I'm going to get this birthright from dog. I want it. I'm going to get it. But let me prepare this for him. Huh, 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 huh. Right. Because he could have just tried to kill him. You feel me? He could have tried to, you know, try to do something that was overtly evil. But he's like, no, let me just whip this. He's sitting there just cooking. Come on. He just whipping the wrist. Y'all doing a drug dealer wrist? Because I'm doing it. Can y'all can hear me do the drug dealer wrist? Look, just listen like this. Like, y'all hear that? That's the wrist. Hold on. Anyway, doing he can make this stew. So Esau comes in starving like, bruh, I'm so hungry. I need this. Right? He like, cool, but you got to give me something. Let me have that. Let me have that birthright. Like, I'm starving. What's a good as a birthright? I can't eat my birthright. I can't eat heaven. I can't eat favor. I can't eat peace. I can't spend, I can't spend the Holy Spirit. Uh-uh. Give me that. You can have that. You can have all this. Come on. Come on in. Gave it to him. And ate and walked away. Which is interesting. It's like, dang. I wonder if Esau thought a little deeper. Like, that's this, he didn't even ask for a lifetime supply of this stew. So he's going to be hungry tomorrow with no birthright. He, so he's, he's going to have fed the flesh in that moment, but he's lost something that was, that was supposed to keep him for the rest of his life, something that his father had put up for him. And he was hungry in the moment, and he walked it away, which sucks. Something that we do. So it's one of the tricks of the enemy of how your flesh can make it feel like, like a crackhead. I need this. I need it right now. I need it. I got to do this right now. It, oh, my God. I can't, I can't spend all that churchy, uh, all that stuff y'all doing. I can't, I can't spend that and pay my bills. I can't do that and, and, and blow up. I can't. All that y'all talking about, my birthright, whatever. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I need this too right now. I need this quick fix right now. I need this quick fix right now. Smoke crack. And at the same point, you give, you're willing to give. You're willing to give. I thought about how the enemy introduced himself to Jesus when he attempted him. He said, he, he told him to submit to me, give me that, give me your allegiance, or jump off this cliff. Like those were the options, and he was going to give him something, but he had to get something first. And so sometimes when people ask, oh, man, how can I tell the difference between the voice of God and, and the voice of the devil? It's like, it's very rare that God, God didn't ask us for anything first. <laughs> That's what's so dope. Of God gave us everything for legit. We walk into this birthright and all we got to do is accept him. But the gift that we already got it. But the trick of the enemy is you got to give me this. You got to give me access. You got to submit to me. You have to allow me in. You have to sell your birthright. He can't take it. Because it doesn't belong to us. It's given to us. It's a gift. You know what I'm saying? Being a part of the body of Christ, being a believer, it's a gift that people want. They want the benefits. They just don't want to submit to God. So they want us to let them in. 
There are there are people, there are things that no, not people. There are spirits at work that are infiltrating people's hearts and infiltrating the house, the houses of God, the hearts of God's people, the four walls of the church to cause confusion so that they can destroy it. But they can't just kick their way in because we know that we'll see them kicking the doors down. So we got to let them in. Y'all been listening to Live With Me Real, man. Watch out for them infiltrating because they're surreptitiously trying to get in. Watch out for the Trojan horses. Y'all been listening to Live With Me Real. Daddy, y'all like this. <laughs>